From my heart to yours, welcome to the Love Lead XL podcast. I'm Kristen Wilson. I have a few questions. What is success to you? How do you begin to even define it? What does it mean to celebrate life and love? And does it mean when you live life on purpose, it's simple and filled with love? In this episode, I chat with Andrea Epolito on exactly what to ask yourself to begin to create your success paradigm. From afar, you'll see Andrea as one of the most sought after ultra luxe wedding planners in the US. But what I love most about her is her authenticity and transparency, and that she has lived her life with true purpose, whether she knows it or not, since she was 12 years old. She carefully cultivates each and every relationship in her life, not only personally, but also professionally, so that when it is time to bring a life celebration to fruition, it's filled with emotion, heart, and intention. So today, let's spend some time together and get to know someone that I have truly enjoyed getting to know on a deeper level, Andrea Epolito. Andrea, welcome, my friend. Welcome. How are you? I love you. I'm so happy to be here with you. I am so good, and it's a Friday, and Fridays are one of my favorite days of the week, so let's go. (laughs) You were saying that you love your Fridays because you get to, like, either work out, dig in, music prep, all the DJ lingo that I'm still learning about, but that I I can pepper into conversations, and it makes me sound like I'm very in the know. Oh, you are very in the know. You are very in the know. You are so in the know that like you are chosen to be on a panel to judge some of the best DJs in a DJ battle. <laughs> I love those guys. Like I, I love the whole DJ community. And I think that it is undervalued. Generally speaking on, on a very broad spectrum, I think that DJs are, are deeply undervalued because it's a low barrier to entry. Mm-hmm. And it's very misunderstood. And for many years, even I thought, well, all you like, you push play, you play other people's music. How hard is your job? <laughs> um, and it wasn't, you know, but like not sorry, but that that was the thing. I mean, I I've told this story to to some of the community. I was at a bar, and one of my girlfriends said, "We're going to go see DJ Irene." And I didn't know who DJ Irene was. I was like, okay. So we had the booth next, like attached to the DJ booth. Mm -hmm. And like girls are screaming and they're trying to climb into the booth. And she has this energy and it's just like this really incredible vibe. And I'm watching thinking like, first, like I, I, I'm having a reaction to, to like the energy of the room, but I also didn't understand why. And she and I ended up meeting in the parking lot afterwards. And I said, you know, hey, if you're in town a few days, I'm doing this restaurant opening. I'd love to have you come and DJ. And she looked at me like, "Mm, I don't think you really understand what I do. And I said, well, you play other people's music. And she didn't hit me, which was good. Um, But she... She looked at me and she's like, mm, sweet little Sophia. And I was like, no, no, no. My name is Andrea. She's like, not anymore. So it's been 18 years. She still calls me Sophia. Um, she said I reminded of her of Sophia Loren, but she took pity on me. And she was like, I'm going to educate you on what it actually means to be like a celebrity DJ 
and a professional DJ. And it was, it was my first glimpse behind the curtain of what it is that a real DJ does. And then I got to know Brian B and Jason and the guys and, and the whole community was so welcoming to me, but I was blown away by the breadth of knowledge that you need, the technology knowledge that you need, um, the, the musical, like everything that goes into what it is that you guys do is fascinating to me. So I think it, there is definitely a creative process and a certain type of personality that it takes to be able to understand an audience, especially in weddings. If you're bringing two different cultures or multiple cultures together, understand the love stories, understand kind of the vibe and what atmosphere they want to create. And then being able to choose, which in our terminology is called programming, the right songs that create those moments. I mean, it's definitely not a push play type thing. So thank you for recognizing that. It, But it took me a long time. And I think that one of the one of the things that's been helpful for me as a wedding planner and as an event designer is learning enough, lear- learning more than the average planner does about your industry so that I can have intelligent conversations with my clients when we're, when we're trying to select. Because as, as a planner, I'm the first line of defense and I am that, that, that barrier to entry for the client and the end user. And so client vendor, we're, we're sitting here. Everyone will tell you, every couple, when you talk to them, you know, what are your priorities? What are you looking for? We want really great food and an open bar. And we want really great music. And yet the DJ is the thing that is often selected last with like, we'll see how much money we have left and then we'll get the DJ because, and, and I work in, in the ultra lux high six, seven figure weddings. It's still the idea of like that can wait because it's, it's interchangeable. And I'm always fighting and saying, no, it's not. Now I can actually sit and talk about the difference between fast mixing and wordplay and who programs what and how, and it helps. I'm able to help my clients make a better decision because I have better information. And so the more educated I am, the more educated my client is, the more value we place and the better of a decision that we make, which ultimately is the payoff at the end of the night. And that flows down. I really believe that the DJ and the entertainment impact the video. It impacts the photography that you get. It impacts the the entire energy of the room will change. And that shifts even catering bar services, how often people are getting drinks, how busy they are, how many opportunities you have for guest touch points. It's, it's really at the crux of so much and it's, it's deeply overlooked. So I'm grateful that everyone is, has taken the time to teach me. Well, we love you for that. And I think one of the things that I really, really love and respect most about what you do, and you mentioned this in one conversation, it's not about just hiring you know, vendors for you, you truly get to know your couples on a level. And I want you to kind of dive into that because I think that it, I think that is what makes you, you, right? I hope so. (laughs) Um, so I, everything for me is based in relationships and storytelling. And so I really believe that by the time a couple gets to me, they are, they're, they're 90% there. 
by the time you've called me, you should have seen enough of my Instagram. You've, you've watched enough of my videos. You've been on my website and either I've done it. Like I, I do believe that I do an excellent job in messaging. So you see that and you either say, Ooh, yeah, like I want that. Or you go, mm, no, that's, that's not for me. And so by the time a couple gets to me, it's not so much, is the work a good fit for you? It's personality wise. Am I a good fit for you? Are you a good fit for me? Do I want to spend the next 18 months of my life creating something for you? Because it's, it's the difference between authenticity in, in being like, this is who I am, but also vulnerability, which I don't think we talk about enough in saying like, this is what I made for you. And now you as, as the client and as the couple and as somebody that I care about, you have the opportunity to judge it. And so you're judging my worldview. You're judging my skill set. You're judging my art. You're judging my relationships with the people that I work with. And so everything for me is very relationship-based. And when I talk to a couple, we're not talking about the wedding because I don't necessarily... Can't, whether you want a white wedding or a pink wedding or a purple, like that's not the driver for me. It's because I can I can work in all of that. It's why are we doing this? What do you care about? You're you're going to write a really big check and you're going to make a huge financial investment, but you're also making an emotional investment. And so, what's the payout for that? And can I get behind it? Because once once I believe that my clients and I care about the same thing then I can be all in and then I can be creative. And then I feel empowered to, to do weird things and to push the envelope and, and to source things and to find things and to say, well, maybe, and that's where you get to kind of dream a little bit. And, and that's where the good stuff is. So my first conversation is very much like, like a speed dating Tinder moment, um, which I mean, <laughs> I've, I've been with Tony for a hundred years. So I, I think that's what it's like. Um, but it's, it's getting to know each other. Do we like each other? Do we do we like how we communicate? Do we speak the same language? Are we finishing each other's sentences by the end of the 45 minutes? Because if we are, then it's not like, yes, I chose you over the other three planners. It's there it was only ever going to be you. And that's the place that I want to get to where they feel like there's nobody else that could possibly care about them as much as I do because our connection is so absolute. So that's really important to me. So we spent the first like 30 to 30 to 60 days of planning is just relationship building, getting to know each other, sending each other memes, talking about what we're reading and what we're watching and where we're going. Once I feel like I've got you as a couple, then I, then I start to work, but I don't do anything until I feel like I have a real good sense of who you are. I love that. So what would you say, let's say, you know, you're texting back and forth and you're talking about shows. When was a time that something triggered you and you're like, oh, this is what makes them who they are. And then how do you take what makes a couple unique and maybe infuse that into this day of, of, of love and a milestone and a stamp to like the rest of their life? So I would say that one of my most well-known weddings is the Crazy Rich Asians wedding that I did um, in 2019. So we started planning it in 2018. And the bride specifically was very fashion forward, very fashion conscious. 
um, would go to Europe to watch the shows, would always be buying the newest bag, really had this draw specifically to Dior before Dior came out with like the tote and kind of had this resurgence in the last two years. She had a very, very specific style. And we were going back and forth and she said, have you seen Crazy Rich Asians? And I was like, oh my God, which was all I said because I actually hadn't seen it. Um, And then I let her, and then I waited and I let her fill in the blanks. And she's like, you know, the scene. I was like, uh, mind blown. And I'm like Googling because I actually don't like going to the movies. Um, I don't like being in a dark room surrounded by strangers. It's not my comfort zone. But I was like, frick, I got to go and buy like a matinee ticket now and go see this when there's not a thousand people. But she's making references and she's going back and forth and she's talking about the movie. And I'm at one point on Fandango buying tickets for the next day while I'm also Googling images. And I took all my notes to the movie theater and watched the movie, but also took video with my phone of clips that she had referenced. And then I came home and I took the stills and I laid them all out. Um, I, I do believe that as an industry, we can be better than a knockoff. I think we can be better than Pinterest. I think by the time it hits the internet, by the time it hits social media, especially, it's kind of done and over. But I was able to go through and pull out very specific elements that I, I already had this, this kind of client profile on who she was built up. She always wore color, but she never wore red, which is interesting because Chinese weddings, red is a really significant, important color. Um, she liked white, but I knew that we couldn't really have it at the wedding. She had this history with fashion and going back and forth to the shows. And so I started looking at shows in Europe and like, what are they doing right now? And they're sending people down the runway. And I just kept building this, this like treasure trove of images and video clips and colors and textures. And I spread them all out on the table. And then I started mixing and matching and saying, well, these colors from the Dior show really kind of connect with what she wore on this day. Cause I'm always taking pictures of my couples when I meet with them. And I'm like, and she's actually worn this color two or three times, but he went to college here. And so this is an undertone that I could use. And everything in that particular wedding was built on color. And then I used the movie, which she loved so much to tie all the pieces together. And it became known as the Crazy Rich Asians Wedding, which wasn't intended. Um, But I I think that it made total sense because it was a big inspirational piece for her. I love it. But you know what I love most of all? (laughs) Hopefully I'm going to get you in your feelings is that this, this goes back really far for you. Like your passion and your love for being able to really personalize events on a deep, deep, deep level, probably goes back all the way to you were 16. Am I not, am I not right? It it goes back even further than that. Uh, So I, I talked about this at the DJC, which we were at together. And I I always love having that week with you. Um, But I was 12 and my father's cousin was killed very tragically 
six weeks before his daughter's sweet 16, which I'm Italian. I'm from New York for like, for our people, this is the, the, this is your mini wedding. And the family decided to go forward with the party anyway. And I, I mean, we're all in the back of my dad's car. I'm wearing the big dress. I've got the hair. My parents are up front. They're talking about, you know, do we have the envelope? Is there money? Like all the things that you talk about. And I very off the cuff just said like, I can't believe, I can't believe we're doing this. Like, I can't believe we're going to a birthday party. And my dad's like, what do you mean? And I said, her father's dead. Like, and we're going to, we're going to go to a birthday party. Like it, it didn't, it didn't make sense to me. And my dad adjusted the rear view mirror and he looked me in the eye and he goes, honey, you have to understand this party is the only thing that's been getting her out of bed. Like doing this is the only thing she has had to look forward to. And she and her dad planned this for the last year. It's the last gift that her father has given her. And years from now, when the the immediacy, like that sting of immediately losing her dad has gone away, planning this party is the thing that she's going to look back on. This is going to be the fond memory. He goes, you know, that's why we do these things because when bad things happen and they always happen, you need things to look forward to and things to look back on. And so we get into the city and it's the 80s and the she's like, she's silhouetted with the hair and the cupcake, dra- the whole thing. And the drapes go up because she's backlit and she walks in the room and she, and everybody, I mean, 200 people are on their feet and they're clapping. And she walked by me and she smiled. And I couldn't conceive of a world where you would lose a parent and still be able to smile. And I, I had this really visceral reaction of this matters. I didn't, un- I was too young to process it. Yes. All I knew is that, well, well, great. I too want a big fancy party. Yes. Um, which is actually how I got into planning. But it, I was struck at the fact that moments turn into memories, that when you bring a group of people together and you have a captive audience and you put them in one room and you layer whether it's lighting, music, color, fashion, and you you bend the world and you make it a perfect place for one night. That night can be transformative in your life. No, it's not to say that she didn't have heartbreak. It's not to say that she didn't go through things. But the ability of that room to change the way she felt was so incredible. And throughout my own life, it's that always stuck with me that you do need things to look forward to and things to look back on. It's, it's the saddest way that I sell videos when, and now I don't have an issue with it. But when I started 10 years ago, people would say, I don't really know if I need a video. And I would say to them, may I ask, are, are both your parents alive? And they would say, yes. And I'd say, okay. Someday your mother's going to die. And they were like, and I said, but she will like someday your father's going to die. Someday your favorite aunt isn't going to, going to be with you. 
And I love photos because that's what you live with every day. That's, that's what you carry with you. That's what you walk by. But the ability to turn on a video and see somebody move through the world and hear them laugh and watch the way that they breathe, it's the closest thing we have to being able to bring someone back to life. And that's how I sold it for my first three years in business. And then after that, I actually put it in my contracts that my clients were required to have video. And 11 years later, I don't have that, that hurdle to get over anymore, but it, it's such a big deal to be able to put people in a space and use that moment as a benchmark. I love it. I think that right there, if I could put that in a bottle and package that, that is exactly why when the world shut down and it was like, are we even going to be able to gather us in a room ever again? I I literally felt like a piece of my soul broke. I'm like, I can't live like this. I can't live in a world where like I can I can I have to choose less than 10 people to celebrate my time with. Like it wasn't an option for me. And I think everything you just said right there defines how I felt. Oh, good. It's hard to find, especially, I mean, for the most part, I feel like most of us feel like we're out of the pandemic. Yes. But then you go into the world. And I think depending on the state you live in and, and what your life is like, my husband and I were just in Dallas where we enjoyed a tremendous amount of freedom. And we could walk around and there weren't masks and there wasn't the level of restriction. And it was such a spectacular feeling. And then I come back to Vegas and the school wants me to have a mask on when they come to get my kid out of the car. It's, we're not done, but I think that we all have, have reevaluated and stopped taking for granted the idea that we will be together. And so the importance of what it means to be together and how we're together and what that, what that feels like. Um, you know, I, I remember somebody saying that like our industry is so frivolous. It's, you know, weddings are a money grab and they're so frivolous and nobody needs this and, and all of these things. Well, there's, there's a lot of stuff we don't need, but I don't understand what I don't understand the value of a life not well lived. Oh, amen. Amen. Like, listen, I don't, I didn't need that dragon drink from Starbucks, but like, <laughs> I mean, did it bring me the most joy? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. You don't, we don't need pretty shoes. We don't need sparkly earrings. We don't, we don't need any of that. But I, I think especially as you start to get older and you have some life experience and depending on what your client base is. My client base has shifted. I don't deal with 20 somethings. You know, it's, it's very rare that I have a couple that's in their twenties. My clients are in their thirties, sometimes even forties. You have a different appreciation for what life could be and should be because you have all this experience and you have all of this, this loss and this hard, and you've fought certain battles and you realize how hard one happiness is. And when you get to that place, the idea of not celebrating it, the idea of not turning around and saying like, hey, it's good now. And this is, this is a time that we should enjoy that. I think that there's a lot of guilt 
sometimes. I don't, I don't know if that's the word, but maybe I shouldn't enjoy this. Maybe I don't need this. Maybe I, and, and judgment from, from other people. Why do you need to live like that? Why would you need to spend all this money on the party? Don't you realize so many other people need all of these things and you're just blowing it on this? I just can't subscribe to that lifestyle. You know, that literally I was feeling that all the way leading up to probably August of this year because I was trying to decide, am I going to actually have an event, a party, a celebration for my company's 10 year slash this podcast launch slash like, I need to celebrate life. I need to stop for a moment. I need to reflect, be grateful. And I literally said like, crap, like we're going into the fall. It's, you know, another round of this thing is coming out. You know, people are going to judge me for having this. And then I said, you know what? I have, I have to have something to look forward to. I have to put a milestone on the calendar and like, you know, create these little moments. And you know, what's funny the one thing I didn't know about you that I learned was your wedding editorialist yes. thingy that you do. And I absolutely love that because I feel like ever since that day when you were 12 years old, you have literally, even if you didn't intentionally do it until you got older and realized it, but I really think that, you know, when I say I love creating moments and things like that, yours kind of aligns with the same thing where you've, you've always done that. Like life is important, have something to look forward to. And so, so talk a little bit about the wedding edi- editorialist, because once that night is over, then what? And I think that's the then what, right? Well, I think in, in a way it is. So wedding editorialist was an accident. Um, I've always loved to write. I've written a couple of books. I have a, a podcast, I have a blog, I have all that kind of stuff. Um, and writing was always something that I enjoyed. I've journaled and kept diaries since I can hold a pencil. Um, I had a couple and the groom wanted to put a bonus in my contract, which made no sense. I was like, I don't, what, what kind of bonus? He's like, based on your scope of work, based on your performance, there's an opportunity to bonus at the end of this. And I was like, well, who decides scope of work and who decides if I've hit my bonus? Like, is it based, is the wedding pretty? Is it published? Like what's the barometer? What's my, what's my KPIs? Tell me my KPIs. (laughs) Where, how do I get to a place where, and what happens if I feel like I bonus and you don't? And he was like, I just want to inspire you to do your best work. So he wrote this bonus into my contract. It was incredibly large. It was hanging over my head and freaking me out to the point where like, Every week I'm doing like old school sales reports, like, Hey there, I made X numbers of phone calls and I spent this numbers of minutes and I had this email and I hated the process. And one night I was writing it and I looked at my husband, I go, I'm not doing, fuck it. I'm not doing this. And he goes, yeah, you are. I said, no, I'm not. I said, this, this isn't sexy. It's not romantic. It's not fun. There's nothing about a sales report that can, that connects to who I am it doesn't tell the story. There will be another way that I will prove my worth. And because I've always taken videos and because I've always taken my own photos, as we were going through the process, I came home one day and I said, I'm going to do a magazine. And he's like, you're going to submit the wedding to which magazine? I said, no, no, no. Like I'm going to publish a magazine just about them. And he's like, because we're in the publishing business now. 
I was like, stop. The World Wide Web will tell me, like, the internet will teach me what I need to know. How hard could it be to publish a magazine? Um, as the narrator's like, it was, in fact, hard. But, but I learned how to do layouts. And I learned how to edit my iPhone pictures so that they could go to print. And I started pulling moments from planning out, like when we went dress shopping for her, when he and I were looking for her wedding gift, when we had tastings with the caterers. And I, I was always writing these little update emails for them. And, you know, just, hey, recap of what we've done. And I said, I can write a better recap that tells a better story. And then I can mix it with pictures and they become articles. And I had it printed the way that a Vogue would be printed, where it's like got the spined back and it's not like stapled, like it's really nice. I had it wrapped in cellophane, sent to their house. When they got home from their honeymoon, they are like going through the mail and she screams and he wires me a ridiculous amount of money. And I was like, this is excellent. Like now I know how to do it. I can do it easier. And the next wedding I had a few weeks later, I did it for them, but I emailed them a digital copy before their print copy came in and the bride shared it on Facebook. And the next day I woke up to like 4,000 messages of, can you print a magazine for my wedding? Can you do a magazine for this and for that? And I was like, oh, no, I don't know you. Like, I, I can't I can't write 50 pages about you because I don't know you. Because and, it's about uh, relationships and connections for you. Yeah, because I was like, how do I, how do, I do that? But I had um, my best friend at the time said, I think we can do this. And I had never been in a business relationship with anyone other than my husband. Um, I, I didn't think it was going to work for a number of reasons. And he convinced me that it could. And so we spent a year developing how do we do intakes for strangers so that I understand enough so that I can tell a story. How do we do a layout? How do we do this? And we built this, this company and we launched um, the wedding editorialist, the corporate editorialist and the editorial collective all under like one umbrella because we had photographers saying like, can you do a magazine for my business? We had other people that said like, I don't want the magazine to be about me, but I want it to be a promotional piece for like, I as a DJ can do my own like DJ time style thing where it's all featuring my company. And so we started doing these and about three months into it, we figured out that we should not be partners um, in the business. And it ultimately ended our 18 year friendship, which I think happens and is sad and is unfortunate. Um, but I also think that there's, there's very little that I can go back and do. Um, but my, my husband was like, no, I still think that there's value to this. And if you're not, just because you're not doing it with him doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. And I was really devastated. I was devastated at the personal loss. I was devastated at the professional loss. Um, and I came home and my husband had ordered me a new laptop and bought me all the software and said, shut your world down for 30 days and figure out how to do all the things that he did and relaunch. And we did. And we sold a bunch of copies and it was humming along. But it's the thing that has been put Instead of it now being out for the world, it is available by request only for people that I know 
and for businesses that I work with, because I just don't have the, I don't have the team that can support the volume that it needed to do. And I, it got, it got too far away from the core of who I was. I did one recently for a client who loved it and ordered 200 copies and sent them out as the thank yous to their entire wedding, which was amazing. Um, But the idea of like taking it to a bridal show and building it into a thing that is scalable if I separate myself from it in the pandemic became the thing that I did less of. So it's, I love the project. I love what it does. I love the the fact that people have a physical thing that they can hold and touch and share. Um, and I, I, I don't think I realized until right now when you asked me about it, that I, that I kind of miss it a little bit. Um, so you'll probably see one coming soon. <laughs> I mean, it's part of your mission. And, you know, I, I love how your husband was in the background pushing you and saying, Andrea, yes, you can do that. Now you guys have a couple of businesses together. Am, am I not right? Okay. So talk a little bit about what that is like, you know, from a, let's go back to one of your talks. You talk about a success matrix a lot, right? So is, is there a success matrix for marriage and being in some sort of a business relationship with your husband? Oh, I don't think I should be giving anyone advice on, on that. Um, I, I can tell you this. Um, so I had been married previously when I was much younger and it, it, it ended, but it, 20 years afterwards, 20 years after the fact, when I look back on it, um, I, I think that we all have to take some personal stock into like, where was it my fault? Where was it your fault? Where was it just life? Like we're, we're all responsible for our our own shit in a way. And, um, when I, when I met my husband, we met in a work environment. We actually, I went to work for the company because I met him and I was really just impressed with him. And I had this draw and, and this attraction to him. And my friends were like, yeah, he's not interested in you, but they're like, you'll get a job offer, but he's not interested in you. And I was like, I'm cute. (laughs) I love it. What do you mean? And they were like, yeah, no. And the next day they offered me a job making $10,000 a year less on the base salary than the job that I had. But I really felt compelled to, number one, I knew I was going to hose them on the commission. I was like, I'm going to make so much money. You guys are going to hate me. Um, But I also felt like if I don't take this job, I'm not going to see him again. And so I took the job because I, I felt like I had to, um, I, I just felt like this makes sense to me. And it took about six months before we started dating. And when we did, and we went out, I was like, look, here's the deal. I, he asked me on our first date, he's like, what are you looking for? He knew some people that I had dated before because our industry, the hospitality industry in Vegas is surprisingly small and incestuous. Um, and we had become friends at work. And he said, I just want to know what you want. And I said, I want somebody who looks at me and says, I don't like you right now, but I love you. So you and me against the world, arm around you on the couch. Like, I just want somebody to build with. That's that's it. 
And he said, oh, I can, I can do that. And I said, well, then here's a key, get your stuff and come on over. Cause you would be the first one. You'd be the first one to not leave when it's hard. You'd be the first one to, to take all of it. And I, on paper, am not a great idea. I come with a lot of, I mean, we all have baggage and we all have stuff, you know, some of us have a carry-on. I'm like a Mel DeMarcos on safari. And so <laughs> I can't deal with it's you. A different type of, of thing yeah. that you do. Um, but we had this foundation of intellectual respect. We had this foundation of understanding of how we each worked. We, we went into a relationship knowing each other's strengths and also understanding where the pain points were. And I think that in an office environment, in a working environment, that's a dance you perfect over time. That's that's a lot of moving around each other. And then when it translated out into a personal life, it gave us such a fantastic foundation of who we each were as peoples. My husband is, I would say like, he is the oracle of the business. He's always looking five years down and saying, this is where you will be. This is what you should be doing. This is what your, this is what your life and your business will look like. I don't always do it to the extent that he does, but he's, he's really good at that. Now there are times where he will throw multiple projects at me at once. And I will say like, this is, this is a lot. He would have me having 18 jobs if he could, because my wife can do that. No, you know what? She could do that too. She, and I, I love the fact that he's so supportive and that he thinks so highly of me and that he thinks that I'm so capable. But I sometimes need to, to pull back. So when he said like, you can't do all the things, you need to stop and, and concentrate on wedding editorialist for 30 days. And I'm going to give you the tools and I'm going to give you the support to do that. Um, all of the things that we've launched, I, I really do believe that I work better with him than I do with anyone else. Um, I think that there's there's nobody else in the world that has no agenda other than my success and well-being. Nobody else comes to the table with such a clear and true and present just level of purity. Because I, I do think, and maybe it's just because I've had bad experiences when I've tried to do things with, with people outside of, of my very, very small sphere, but I come, I come to the table, I want something, you want something. There's a very good chance we want something different. We each have our own lives and our own agendas. Everything with us, our success is together. Our professional success determines the success of our life. Um, and so... We, even if we have slightly different endpoints that we want to get to, the overarching goal is always the same. And so we win together and we lose together and we build together. And there's nobody else that will ever, ever care about my ability to be who I need to be the way he does, because nobody else will ever have the same investment and interest in it that he does. And so in that way, we're, we're very much an unbreakable team. I love it. I still don't think I should give it marriage advice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think honestly, you know, you, 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 if you look at it from the outside, you know, maybe package it differently. Maybe it's not marriage, maybe it's partnership. And I think what really makes a great partnership is being able to be vulnerable at times 
Um, I think it also takes being intentional and also being very transparent. If you can't do those three things, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure yet. Maybe I have to Google it. Maybe I need to like reflect on it a little bit, but like, you know, I think that's those three things are characteristics of a great partnership to, at least to begin with. Yeah. And I think that, um, I have a broad, wide circle of people that I know and people that I am friendly with and people that I respect. And then I think probably everybody has this, but mine is so severe. Like you take this entire sphere and then my circle grinds down real small, real tight, real quick. And there's, you know, if, if it was a Venn diagram, like the overlap of my personal life and my professional life and people that I, that I give a wider range of access to is such a, a, just a sliver of, of the population at large. Um, and I, I don't, for me, trust doesn't come easily. And I think that that's why I am so insistent on it in like to, to pull it all back around the reason that the relationships that I have with my clients and with my vendors, partners, teammates, whatever you want to call them, is that I, I'm so insistent on the relationship being built on trust and mutual respect is because I've seen what happens when, when there's a shift, like when, when there's a crack in the foundation and there is a structural issue, everything tumbles down. And so I really double down on that because I've, I've always felt like if we have trust, if we have mutual respect, and if we are really, really clear about who we are to each other and how we see the world, we can always build. You can stumble, you can, you can have issues, but you can always build because your foundation is, is so strong. And I think that that's been a big driver. And when we talk about the success matrix, um, one of the things that we did early on was I said, you know, I'm because I want this, my, one of my big commitments that I have tried to really honor over the last 17 years that we're together is I will not fight with you over something that I'm not prepared to leave you for. So I can get annoyed at the, like, why do you have to put the cup next to the sink over the dishwasher? Like you can take the cup and put it in the sink and wash it and dry it and put it away. Or you can take the cup and you can put it in the dishwasher and the dishwasher will do it for you. But why does it have to go? Like that kind of stuff that you get like life irritated about. All right, fine. But like an actual fight, unless it's something that I'm willing to walk over, I'm not looking to fight with you. And we both had this sense of we've gotten it wrong before. And so we understand what we need to do to make it right. And that the good stuff is always better than the bad. And so let's not, let's not dwell on the stuff that's not important. And let's really always double down. And so when we, when we sat together and we said like, we're going to do this together. One of the first conversations we had really early in our relationship was, well, what does that look like? Like for having had a not successful marriage and not successful relationships what does a successful relationship look like for you? What does that feel like on a day-to-day -day basis? What do you need from me in order to feel like we're in a good place? And so we talked quite a bit about what the, and it's, it's I don't want to say expectation, but like 
it's really just, it's, it's a baseline need. Like, what do you need to feel good in this? And is it something that I can do? And for us, it lined up really easily. And we were like, okay, so we both want the same things. We both need the same things. We can both complement each other. And then we're like, all right, well, how do you want to live? When we first met, we lived on totally different sides of town. We had totally different lifestyles. Like, ideally, what is what does a great life look like? And we got real granular, like what zip code do we want to live in? What do we want the house to look like? What kind of cars do you want to drive? Where do you see yourself vacationing? How often do you vacation? What responsibility do you have when you're on vacation? And we like, we basically said, okay, let's design our life. And then every decision that we make will be tested against that. And so, so now, so now is this, so this, I'm pretty sure you just explained your version of the, the, the success matrix, right. And the personal success, but, and then you applied that to your life with your husband. So, so could you take that same thing and apply it to business or anything? So, so that's actually what we did first was I, and I'd spent a long time working. I got my first job in weddings when I was 15. Um, I'm 45. I've been doing it for 30 years. So that's a long time. And I got big girl jobs at, you know, I opened Bellagio when I just turned 21. So I had spent all this time living and I knew what it felt like when my life was out of balance, when I was living to work and not working to live. And I knew I didn't want to do that anymore. I'd gone through a bunch of, you know, weird personal things. And I was like, clocking in and out can't be like the better business card can't be the thing that I'm chasing. And so we sat down and we said, all right, let's design our life. And that became our personal success paradigm. What do we want our life to look like? What do we want it to feel like? What kind of work do we want to do? And we really just, it's a lot of like fun. That part's fun. And like, that's the daydreaming part of like, if I could live anywhere, I would live here. If I could drive anything, I would drive this. And like, we went through and we said, this is what we want our life to look like. And then we looked at what our life was and we said, all right, where are the gaps? And how do you fill in those gaps? And so we, we retrofit our professions to fit our life. And that's when we turned around and said, okay, so now what's next? What's so if this is what we want our life to look like, what does the business have to be to support that? And so we even when it came to to starting Andrea Polito events, I was like, all right, well, I don't want to sacrifice our relationship because I'm working like a demon. I wanted to have kids. We we which was never a goal for me. Um, it was a, it was a very specific in this relationship, we would like to have a family. And I knew that if I was going to do it, I wanted to be the kind of mother who was present and I wanted to be able to go to school things. I wanted to be able to do drop-offs and pickups and, and all that kind of stuff. And so I said, okay, well, I can't, I can't do that if I have 30 to 40 events a year. So I can only work with us. So I have to scale that number back. And then I was like, well, the work that I want to do, if it's my perfect day at work, what does that day look like? And a perfect day at work for me isn't rushed and it's not harried and it's not like a thousand phone calls. 
it's being really intentional and diving deep and doing different things. Well, I can't do that with 20 people. So now maybe, maybe from 40, my number was 20 because of my family. And then based on the work I want to do, maybe from 20, it's 12. And then out of those 12, how many people see me? So like we, we took the big broad strokes for our life. And then every decision that we've made in business is tested against, does it get us closer to our life goal? And so there are times when we've been presented with projects and opportunities that would make us a a great deal of money and be professionally fulfilling, but they take us away from each other or they take us away from our kids for longer than we are comfortable with. And so even, even though the dangling carrot and the shiny thing is, is really attractive, when we put it up against what does success mean for us as a family, if it doesn't meet our needs, then we say no. I love that. I'm, can I just say, round of applause, I'm so proud of you. I'm Aww. so proud of you because so it, it's so hard because you, you get excited and you want to take on these projects and you want to do this oh, yeah. and you want to do that. And one thing I'll say too, I'm, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to use your success paradigm and, and kind of re-look at, and this is my time of year where I do that. You anyway. got it, right? I think so. Yes. Well, I took a screenshot from the thingy and I'm going to use the screenshot that I took. I will send you the download and you can put it in your notes so that everyone can kind of take a look at it. Yeah. And it's, it's just really the, the framework and the roadmap that we use to say at like, um, at the end of all of this, when I look back, did I do it the way I wanted to, or did I do it? The, did I do it the way we wanted to do it? Or did we do it the way that we, that we were able to, like, I'm, I'm, I got tired of accepting what the world offered me and being grateful for just like whatever came my way. And I really felt like I'm tired of sitting and just accepting what the world is when I know that I have the ability to make it what I want it to be. You are living life on purpose. Yes. You are living life on purpose and with intention. That's my favorite. <laughs> okay. You know, this is, I'm getting to know my favorite parts of every single episode. Okay. Okay. So I don't know if you're ready for it, but you got to be ready for it. So you're living I'm life. Better on- from not. <laughs> you're living life on purpose. You're living with intention uh, your motto is, you know, having something to look forward to and something to look back on. So w- what is the thing that Andrea is going to do on purpose and look forward to infusing love lead Excel into all of that? In my personal life, in my professional life, whatever comes to top of mind. So as we move into 2022, one of the things that my husband has really been pushing me to do is expand the way that I educate and the educational programs that we have. We've got books, we've got courses. Um, I am I, I'm so grateful for what this industry has afforded me in terms of the lifestyle and the things I've been able to create and, and the joy that I have found in it. And there is no great roadmap. And I think that 45 minutes just isn't enough. And so this year, my husband and I are working on a way to educate and inspire people. So we're definitely looking at more, a new experience that we can offer to people who are interested in doing what we've done, who want to make a living while having a life. 
and in, in really kind of inspiring people and teaching them how we've done that and helping them find a pathway so that they can have that on their own. So that's something that we're really, really excited about. I have the most wonderful, most generous clients in the world. I have a wedding next, uh, a year from today on uh, December 10th of next year. I have an insane wedding for a couple that I just love that for the first time I have been asked to officiate the wedding. So I'm, I'm super excited about that. And we are trying, we have not taken a vacation together with our kids in a lot since the summer of 2019. Yeah, no, we're going to change that. And that is, I mean, I, you and I travel quite a bit. I, I mean, I think we've seen each other in like four states in the last three weeks. Yes. And <laughs> that's, I mean, but if you think about it in, in four weeks, I was in seven states, not counting the state I live in. Like it was in, it was an insane grind, which I love, but that's not my life. Mm-hmm. And when my kids are like, we haven't been to a beach since 2019, that's just not acceptable anymore. And so we are definitely working on a vacation because I need one and my kids need it. And I think it's, I think that my family as a whole could use some like one-on-one downtime someplace Sandy together. I love it. If you find someplace cute and Sandy, (laughs) (laughs) and as we start to wrap up this episode, why don't you leave our listeners with how they can connect with you and what lovely Excel means to you? So you can always connect with me on social. I am everywhere at Andrea Eppolito and the last name will be in the notes, but it's E-P-P-O-L-I-T-O. And in terms of of love, I think that loving and excelling and and all the things that you're so focused on celebrating from the day that I opened up my, my business, my tagline has been celebrating life luxury and above all else, love. love. And I think that that, we get so caught up as an industry, as entrepreneurs, as, as business owners on the numbers and on the spreadsheets and on the task list. And if there is a gift of COVID and of the pandemic, it's that we were forced to be in our lives and not just in our businesses. And I think as we come out of that, one thing I've noticed is that we, as as a society, we don't want to give that up. Like we saw how good it feels to be with the people that we love and that love us. And we've, we've enjoyed dinners at home and slowing down and long phone calls and conversations. And none of us, we're all in the grind, but none of us want that to be the focus anymore. And so I think that in terms of like loving and excelling and doing that, it's no longer segmenting your life. It's really integrating all the parts of it and having a holistic experience where at the end you look back on whether it's the day, the week, or or your entire journey and you just say, I couldn't have wanted anything more because all the things that I did brought me joy and created joy and made the world a prettier place, one event at a time. I, my heart is smiling right now. Oh, you, I love you. You, all the conversations are always such a joy. And I can't thank you so much for being on the show and, and all the time we get to spend together. Always. And we'll get some time together again soon, I hope. Hey friends, thanks for listening to the Love Lead XL podcast. For more inspiration, hit subscribe wherever you enjoy listening to podcasts. 
and follow me, Kristen, on Instagram at meetkristen. Until next time, I empower you to continue to love what you do, lead by example, and excel at it all.